Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. the scriptures with me this morning as we get ready to head. There's so many places we can go to, but I think we probably need to start out today somewhere around the book of Genesis. Chapter 2 is where we're going to look at as we sort of get into our lesson today. Let me just sort of bring us up on the speed where we have been talking about. Of course, we've been talking about habits and things that we do in our life, and we do consistently and continually, and how they become part of our character and our nature. For example, let me, we just talked about giving. Some of us, you just have a habit that when you receive income or you get paid or you uh, see some uh, resources come your way, you just immediately, first thing you're doing, you're writing out a check to God and uh, you're making sure that God's going to get his portion of that. Uh, you've made a good, diligent habit in your life. Some of you here today, today, I think every one of us is here because of worshiping God, but we're also here because it's a habit. We've made a form of it, that uh, this is what we we do and this is what happens to us on Sunday mornings that we come to church and we come together to celebrate our Lord and Jesus our Savior Jesus Christ and we worship together well there's things in your life that you do and you do them habitually or you do them until they are a habit in your life and they make you who you are when we think about things in, the li- in life that make us have the good life that we've been reading about, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we have the good life that God wants us to have, and we begin looking at that, we see that prayer gives us that good life. We saw that the Word of God gives us that good life. And now what we're talking about, a person who has the good life just wants to share it. They just want to tell somebody. Everybody say, tell somebody. And we've been learning that Jesus taught us about telling people while he preached in the synagogue and while he preached in the temple, he also shared at people's homes. And we saw where Zacchaeus, where he met him in the street, and from the street he went to Zacchaeus' home, and it was there that Zacchaeus confessed Jesus as the Lord of his life, and there salvation came for him. And so we're learning that to reach people, and we have to get outside of the doors of this church. Thank God for the doors of the church, and they're all paid for, and they're all clean, and everything's great. And we love the doors of the church. But the activity of the church just does not happen inside this church. It happens outside of this church. Brother Hagen named his church many years ago, and uh, the college that he formed, which men call today college, but basically the name of it was Rama Training Center. Now, why would it be a training center? Because it's where children of God come to be trained, not to stay at Ramah, and to stay at Ramah, keep on training until they get so full of training that they, you know, they just bleed training, so to speak. No, they get out of there, and they begin to put into practice those things they have learned and what they have heard. And so that's what we're seeing, that as we are Christians, and as we have the good life that God has given us, we want to tell people about it. And we want to share what God has done in our lives. That, that's all witnessing is. Just telling someone else how good God is. And that's, that's sharing the gospel. That's doing it. And so we've been talking about that. 
we talked about sort of a basic understanding of what salvation is. We, we looked and we saw that the Bible teaches us that we are very valuable. As a human being, you are extremely valuable. I saw someone gave me a, a copy of something here a couple days ago or sharing it with me, that in 1901, a certain, in fact, it was a 21st century uh, translation of the scriptures that took place in 1901, and in one particular place, it had something to do with speaking about you and me as human beings, and it talked about of animals, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, speaking about the resurrection, that there are animals, and there are different kinds of animals, and humans were one kind of those animals. Well, that was 1901, and they changed that translation real quick in 1910 and brought it up to say that, you know what, you and I, we are not animals. No, we're a lot higher than animals. And I love my dog. Don't you love your dog? I mean, my dog's at home crying, waiting for me to get there. He's sitting right at the door, looking at the doorknob, waiting for me to open the door right now. That's what he's doing. So he, he lives. I said, we love our animals, but we are higher than animals. You are, you are not just the highest on the food chain. I ain't expecting nobody to eat me. How about you? I'm going to tell you what. No. No, we're not just the highest on the food chain. We're, high, we're much higher than animals. In fact, we're much, much, much higher. The Bible, we learn in the book of Psalms that the Bible says that God has made us a little lower, lower than himself. Amen. A little lower than himself. And so you are, I am, all of mankind has been made to be a God class of person. Didn't say you were a God as such, but we are made to live in that realm of what God is. Well, we're called to a higher place than what this world tries to drag us down to. I mean, you hear some of the, the things on the news and you hear how the way the people in the world talk about us. No, 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 no. We're at a higher place. We're a higher place than what the world thinks about it. So you got to get that mind washed out of you and have the mind of Christ put in you where the Bible teaches us that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. Everybody say, I am a somebody. I am somebody. Now I've said it through life, I am something else. I've heard a lot of people grieve me and say, yeah, we know you are, but we don't know what. But anyway. Well, that's all right. That's all right. I'm something else. You're something else. We, we've been, and mankind has been made. We haven't been made for the struggles of this earth. Well, we, we haven't been made for this earth to lord over us. We haven't been made for sickness and disease. We have not been made for infirmity. We have not been made for poverty and want and lack. We have not been created to live a life of drudgery and pain and sorrow. All of those things came because of the curse after God's creation and given us a perfect world and a perfect Adam and Eve. Those things came later. And so we learned what happened was even though God tremendously values us and we are of a tremendous worth before God, even though that is the case, what we learned was that because of sin, there came a separation between us and God. I mean, we were destined to be with God. Created to be in fellowship with Him. We, we were the love of God's life. We were all of those things. But what happened was the devil came in and he presented us with a second way we could live our lives. God had told us in the garden when he spoke to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. He said, you can do anything in here you want to do in this garden. It's, it's, it's all open for you. And you can eat of any tree that you'd like to eat of, but there's one don't eat of it. Don't do that. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil and don't eat it. Because if you do, the day you eat it, you're going to die. And that's the absolute law of God. There ain't no changing it. 
The world might try to rewrite it and make 100,000 different kind of Bibles and take those things out of it. Uh, I read also looking at a, a Bible translation again yesterday that I was looking at, and uh, someone was talking about it, that there were 18 verses of Scripture took it, taken out of, that, out of that Bible. And the thing was, was they were wondering, 18 verses, why, why would you do that? Everything was exactly the same. And, and in this regard, this was a King James Version. Everything was exactly the same of the King James, but there were 18 missing verse, verses. And when they looked at what the 18 missing verses was, every one of them had to do something with homosexuality and calling it a sin and talking about it as a perversion and speaking of it as an abomination before God. And so you can really see what their agenda was. So what I'm saying to you, if you want a Bible that says this, that, and other, you can probably get you one. Yeah, you can get one. If you don't like, it's got a few pages. You can tear a few pages out, strike out a few verses. You can do whatever you want to do. But when you look at it, God is the author of the Bible. He is the creator of everything that there is, and God makes the rules. And when he says that if you do this, you surely die, then when you do it, you surely die. We learned about death, and we saw the three kinds of death, that when the spirit and soul leave the body, it's physical death. Separation is what death always is. We saw in Ephesians chapter 2 where the Bible tells us that our sins have separated us from God. And so sin separates. It causes death. So we are spiritually dead. Scripture said you are dead in your sins. We saw also in the book of Revelation where the Scripture teaches us that for those that leave this world separated from God and they leave this world in that status, then they go to the lake of fire, which the Bible says is a second death, the second spiritual death that is now for all eternity. And what we are facing right now is people in the world who are fearfully and wonderfully made. They're glorious before God. They're crowned with glory and honor, the Bible says. God's highest creation, but they have rejected God's plan. And because they have rejected God's plan, they have chose to follow another. And the another that they have chose to follow is Satan. And the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, that the hell was created for the devil and his angels. And so the devil and his angels are headed there. God doesn't want anybody else to go there. Amen. It is not any God's will at all for anyone else to go there. But if we want to follow the devil there and keep on following him, that's where you're going to end up. Because that's where he's going. If I come outside and we get in my vehicle and I take off toward Greenville, if you stay in that car with me, we're going to end up in Greenville in about 20 minutes. No, maybe a little longer than that, but anyway. <laughs> we do that, might get a ticket along the way, wouldn't we? No, if you stay in that car with me, you're going to end up in Greenville if that's where I'm going. And you know what? The devil's headed to hell. And if you ride his bus, his train, his car, his airplane, his motorcycle, his skateboard, it doesn't matter. In whichever form or fashion he has you headed that direction, you're going where he's going. But thank God there is a way out. Somebody say amen. amen. Look with me. Look with me to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. Now then, this thing called unbelief is the root of all of our relationship with God. When we look at what happened, God said, this is the law. When Adam and Eve transgressed the law, they believed what the devil said, you will not surely die. And so they believed the devil. Through their mental intellect, through the five senses, they believed the devil. The basic issue of life is distrust of God and unbelief. The problem is unbelief carries with it a load of problems. 
Look what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. You can read it clearly. The Lord God commanded the man. It's not a suggestion. It's not, I wish you would. It's a command from the Lord God Almighty. He commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you'll surely die. And the same day they partook of that tree, they were killed spiritually. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. They were separated from God, which is spiritual death, and they died that day. They were separated from God. And that is what God says happens. It happens. It is something very negative in our life. When any of us enter into unbelief and distrust of God, we always lose. You're never going to win when you go against God. You're never going to come out the victor when you try to do it another way other than God's way. And they're told that in the garden. Here's the problem. Go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. We looked at this very briefly the other day as well. But Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the scripture tells us what the penalty is. What is the penalty? Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. The payment for sin is separation from God. In other words, in anything in life that you and I do, and if we want to walk into sinful lifestyles and sinful way, and we want to, you know, partake of all the things of this world, uh, we're free to do that. We have that choice. But you needn't to expect that, that God is going to maintain fellowship with you and stay connected to you in your life. The wages of sin is death. It doesn't change. The wages of sin is death. When you, it, it, my wife and I, we've been married now a few years. And in our relationship, we've remained faithful to one another. But if I choose to do something that injures our relationship, it destroys something in our lives. It destroys something in our relationship together. If you have in your life, you've been maybe saving your money or something, and you have some accumulated resources. But if you go out and you do something dumb, you do something stupid, you're going to lose that money of what you've worked for during your life. There's a separation. When we violate the laws that God has set in order on this earth, there's always death that takes place. You always lose when you sin. And people say, I want to go out and have a good time. Where where are you headed? You know, I'm headed out to the club. Headed out to the beer joint. Headed out here, or whatever you want to call it. Bring the beer joint to your house during these days. Whatever you want to call it, okay? That kind of stuff. I've always amazed me. Remember those soap operas years and years ago? Everybody. It didn't matter whether they were rich or poor or had nothing to watch. They could be living on the side of the street in a cardboard box. It didn't matter. When you went into somebody's house, they always offered you some kind of something to drink. Remember? I don't know so far, they always offer you something to drink. You went, here's my cardboard box. I ain't got my cardboard box, but here, I've got a bar right over here inside my cardboard box. Well, you know what? If you come to my house, all, all you're going to get is some water and some milk and some juice and some Diet Pepsi. That's about it. If you want to bring your own Pepsi, bring it. We won't tell Sheila and we'll drink it together. But anyway... No, no, we're going to get that diet stuff. And, and you know why? You can do the wrong if you want to do it. it was, I just want to go out and have a good time. It's amazing those people that had a good time. You know, out, out in this world having a good time. You out there having a good time? Yeah, what did you do? I just, I just blowed all my money gambling. You have a good time? Oh, yeah. But now you broke us a bicycle. You don't have anything. <laughs> right? You, you're not having a good time anymore. 
you, you go out there, you just, you just want to have a good time. Uh, what, how come you have a good time? Because tomorrow, you know, our family, uh, we're, we're going to follow my wife and I, and, and we've got issues. Well, you wasn't having a good time, was you? What about this? How come your kids don't have anything to do with you? Oh, kids? What kids? Where are they at? And, you know, sin always costs you. Sin costs. It always brings death in your life. I mean, look at any violation of God's rule and God's... I mean, do, do what the Bible talks about. And he gave us in Proverbs. He said, here's what the ant does. In good times, the ant goes and he stores all of his food. He eats some, but he stores a lot of it. Why? Because the winter comes, and then when there's no more food that he can gather, he can eat off of his store during the wintertime. So he taught us that lesson of saving. But, you know, if, if we don't want to do that, we don't have to. We can take everything that we have right now and blow every single dime we've got all the time, just continually. And then when the difficult times come, you won't have anything. Or when you have to come to a time in your life when you want to do something bigger, extravagant, this kind of thing, you won't have anything. You, you can violate the rule if you want to, but it's going to catch up with you. And it's going to bring death into your life. And the wages of sin is death. There is a separation between you and God when we sin. And if we continue to walk in that sin, if we live in sin, if we are sinners, there is death that comes our way. Now, let me show you what happened. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Here's the problem. Here's the thing. What, what many people will say is they say things like this. Well, I haven't done anything to God. All I was happened was I just born. I didn't ask God to create a heaven or hell. I didn't ask God to create the Bible or churches or evangelistic associations. People reach out. I didn't tell God to do any of those things. And when people do horrible, terrible, mean things, I didn't tell them to do them. I'm basically a very good person. And people have those kind of thinking and those kind of ideas in their life. We've been watching some videos uh, on YouTube. And uh, it's called Dar Man Videos. Has anybody ever saw those but me? D-A-R-H Man Videos. And if you watch those, they are, have a great moral. They're like six, seven minutes, each one of them. And they've got like eight, eight billion something views. It's way up there. And they're just good clean, basic, solid videos that say that if you do this in life, this is what will happen to you. And if you do this in life, something else will happen to you. And it gives stories about people. But, but in their understanding of things, basically what it is is that when you're doing the wrong. For example, I don't know, maybe you owned a, owned a uh, restaurant or something like that, and you had a worker, and you treated the worker wrong. And so you were bad to the worker. And so finally, you lost your restaurant because you were bad to your workers. And one of those workers that you treated wrong ascended to a place and got his own restaurant. And later in life, that person that lost their restaurant that you used to work for, where they treated you bad, came and wanted a job for you. Because you became wealthy and successful and blessed and you were good to everybody. But in the final analysis, what happened was the person that owned the restaurant in the end said to the person in the beginning, uh, no, 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 you got to go on now. You're no good. And so it really doesn't finish the story, but people in life are like that. People want their own things. Sometimes people are very selfish in trying to get it. Other times they're not, but they still have that same selfishness within that they have. There's something going on in the heart of man. Something is out there. It is quite easy to sin. It is not difficult at all to live a life of debauchery, a life of sinfulness, a life of just greediness, of doing what you want to do, of pushing everybody else down and trying to pull yourself. You know, it's, it's not hard to do that. Something in us, innate in our spirit and our heart, is there when we are born. 
The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. How, how, did, how did this... Who was it? One man, somebody tell me his name. Adam. One man, sin entered this world. And death by that sin. And so when Adam sinned, he died spiritually, separated from God by that sin. Death entered by the sin of Adam. And so this death has been passed on, it says, verse 12, unto all men, for all have sinned. Every single one of us. We are all the same when we are born on the planet Earth. We are all born sinners. Somebody, how were you born? I was a born sinner. When I entered this world, it had nothing to do with God. It was all about me. I know some of you mom and dads, you get upset. You mean this little precious little baby? You know. But we have that sin nature in us when we are born. And we have a bent towards sin. No one had to teach you to do the wrong thing. You did it naturally. I did it naturally. We were born into sin in this earth. It's passed on. It came from our father, Adam. Each of us. How many got some children? You got children? Like it or not, your children become like you. They are born like you. They have part of your nature in them. And you see it manifest. And sometimes you can look at what your children are doing and you say, hey, you know what? I see me in them. They are doing the same thing I do. Why? It's in their nature. It's part of the DNA that you have passed on to them. Adam's DNA was sinful. And he passed it on to everyone. Every child that he had, Cain and Abel and Seth and all the other brothers and sisters that they had, many, 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 many of them, and then they passed it on, passed it on, passed it on, till it finally got down to me, Leon. Till when I was born in this world, I was born sinful. My mind was darkened. The way I saw things wasn't good. And my life was meant only for me and do only the things that this world system was telling me to do because I related to it because I was like that. It wasn't hard to sin because I was a sinner by nature. And then I picked up my own sins and became a sinner by practice. I just continued what I already was. And that's the difference in religion and Christianity. A lot of times religious people want to do this. We want to give you the rules and regulations for you to do and you to follow. And we'll tell you some of them. And they're pretty good, you know. Now, ain't nothing wrong with thou shalt not kill. I mean, not a whole lot wrong with that. Uh, not, not anything wrong with thou shalt not steal. Not, not, and we want to give you these rules and say, now, you do that, and you'll be a good person. You do that, you might stay out of jail, but you still won't be a good person. You see? Because the good person is not based on what we do out here, although that manifests it. The good person is based on who our nature is and what we are. And so it's on the inside where the change takes place. You get the inside right. And what you will find is this, is when the law comes and you read the law, you say, well, I've been doing all that already. You know, I, I already know all that. You're not telling me anything new. And when somebody says, and that, that's why we love to teach the word of God to Christians. Because Christians, I don't need to teach you again and again about you better quit sinning, you better repent, you better do all this kind of stuff. Because you'd be saying, well, hey, I'm already there, Pastor. I mean, thanks God, maybe somebody got it. But, you know, and, and occasionally maybe we need a little checkup. I'm not saying we don't. 
But what I'm saying is this. We teach the Christians, here's what you can do. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to advance, how you need to increase, how you need to go on into things of God. Because you and our nature, we have a nature that is righteous before God. The Bible said in the book of Second Peter that we have partaken of the divine nature of God. Amen. And I know when I say that, people get fighting mad. Well, the nature of God. Yes, we have. Amen. Peter said it. Not Leon Bible, but the Peter in the Bible said it. He said it. And so it's just the truth. And so we are born into this world. That's the problem. We're born in this world. We come to this world sinning. We hit this world running sinning. And we practice it. We got very good. Someone's got very good at it. I mean, anything we touched, it turned out wrong. It turned out bad. We hurt somebody. We, we were against somebody. I mean, we couldn't find enough people to cuss out. You know, we invented cuss words that people didn't know when we came to the world. I mean, you know, all, all kind of things that we did to hurt, to harm, anything that was against everybody else and kept getting me better and make, lift me up. Hey, I'm all for it. That's our center nature. That's what we did. Well, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Let me show you something. Here, here's, what, here's what we were doing in this world. Ephesians chapter 2. Wherefore, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world. Now, in this wonderful book of Ephesians, Paul is talking to believers and he's saying to them, this is how you used to be. This is how you used to live. This is what you used to do. He's talking about that great authority of the believer. And he's saying in times past, everybody say times past. See, I ain't still sinning. Like, now, remember, remember how the world has convoluted the church. Remember how the world has just sort of, you know, washed out the integrity of the church by just saying, oh, we're just all a bunch of sinners still in the church. We're all a bunch of sinners. Yeah, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all a bunch of sinners. But no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I was a sinner. I did practice sin. I did do the wrong. I was sentenced because of what I've done for judgment of eternal hellfire. I deserved it. I did it. Absolutely. But one day I met the man that took away all of my sin. His name was the Lord Jesus Christ, and he came on the inside of me and changed my nature and who I was. And from that time to this time, I have not wanted to sin. It's not part of my nature. Have I slipped up a few times? Sure I have. Everybody has. But it's not my nature. I'm not a practicing sinner. Amen. 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 And so the church is not full of sinners. The church is full of the saints of God. That's who the church is full of. (laughs) Somebody's talking to me the other day about uh, their pastor, and I'm not going to mention any names. I don't like to even mention a pastor by Name just by saying pastor because pastors have it tough. They have it hard. And I believe the majority of pastors are doing their very best uh, to do everything they know to do for the Lord God and the kingdom of God. And everyone of them might not agree totally with me, might not agree with totally you. That's okay. I, I believe they're doing their best. I really believe that the most of them are. But there was one of them that um, uh, this person was telling me. He said, you know what? We hadn't even started back to church yet at our church. I said, you will have it. He said, no, our pastor's scared to death. That's what he said. He said, our pastor's scared to death of this virus. And when he said that, I didn't think much about it. But a few days later, I'm praying. And while I'm praying, I get this inspiration from the Lord. I wonder why he's scared to death. I said, wait a minute. That's that same church where they got Sunday school teachers who are homosexuals. People in a congregation are homosexuals. The leadership of the church are homosexuals. If I was that pastor, I wouldn't start back up either. i tell you what. I wouldn't want that virus to get me and take me to hell. Church shouldn't be full of sinners. 
Now, I know we say that the church is a hospital center. It is. But when we go to the hospital, they said, come on down to the hospital. Can you help me there? Yeah, it's full of dead people. I ain't going. If you told me the hospital is full of dead people, I ain't going. Give me, show me another hospital. Now, show me one that says everybody goes to this hospital. They're alive. That's the one I want to go to. Send me to that hospital. Not that where all them dead people are. Church is full of saints of God. Amen. And if some sinners come into the house of God, welcome. Glad to have you. Glad you're here. But we don't expect you to change that way. We want you to let Lord Jesus do something in your heart and life. Amen. Amen. And he will. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. It is no secret what God can do. Amen. Amen. I almost sung a song there. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Wherefore in times past. Everybody say times past. You walked according to the course of this world. In other words, the world has a course, so to speak. You ever had a jogging path or a place that you normally ran or a place that you normally went the course? If you go into the uh, military, don't they have those uh, obstacle courses where you've got a path to go and they stick things in your way along the way, obstacles? Or is it a course? Well, this world's got a course. And when, and when you come up in this world, they lay it out for you clearly. They tell you exactly how you can live, how you can think, what you can do, and all of those kind of things. But their course is not according to the things of God. It's according to this world system. Okay? And so where in times past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power there. Now we know it's the devil that's running the world's course. It's the prince of the power there that tells the world what to do. It's the devil himself that gives the instructions for the world. And that's the place I don't want to be. I don't want to be there where the devil's telling me how to live. I mean, once I found him out, I'm not the smartest guy on the block. I'm really not. But once I found him out, you know what? I'm going to walk the other way. I'm going to walk the other way. And so here it says he is according to the prince of the power of the air. That's how he used to do. What? The spirit. See, there is a spirit and nature in sinners. You ever try to talk to people that, that, that don't know God and people in rebellion? And you explain it to them, and they don't have a clue what you just explained. Or, or they, they say this, or they say that, and you say, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not the way that works. Here's how it goes. And you tell them how it go, and they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. And here's why. Because there's a spirit on the inside of them. There's some, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that Satan has blinded their eyes, lest they should believe this glorious gospel. And so there's a blindness that we come up against when we are soul winning and speaking to people about Jesus. We have to recognize it's not them. It's that devil. It's that spirit and nature of the devil that has reprogrammed or programmed their mind. They need it reprogrammed now. But he's the one that has programmed their mind. Notice what it says. That now abides in the children of disobedience. It's not, not talking about little children, so to speak. It's children of disobedience. Disobedience is a father, and everyone who is disobedient is a child of disobedience. And so this world are the children of disobedience. They are going the wrong way. They are doing the wrong thing. They are doing it because it is in their nature, and their nature has got to be changed. Because if not, they will destroy everything they touch and everything they get around. Their sinful nature will come out, and it will hurt, and it will wound, and it will bruise, and it will cause heartache, and cause pain, and cause suffering, and cause tragedy. When you look at the ills of mankind, you can trace every bit of it back to one thing, sin. 
that's what's going on in the world is sinfulness. And when you get there, you see it is the spirit of the devil, the spirit of Satan himself that is working in people. I've seen some people who had a powerful spirit of the devil working in them. And some of them have it disguised a little bit. They, they might look like, you know, what's that song years ago? Anybody here seeing Sweet Thing? Remember that old beer joint song they used to have? Well, Sweet Thing wasn't so sweet in reality. No, 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 no. Not so sweet in reality. And some people dress it up in all kind of different kind of ways. But you know what? It's, it, it's, it's still that devil with the red dress on. But anyway, let me get out of that. Notice what it said, verse 3. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past, or our manner of life. I read King James, which manner of life. No, that's the way we lived. So when you look at these people, you lived the same way. Yes. You were nuts and, fr- and just nutty as a fruitcake too. Yes. You were sinful. You had people that couldn't stand being around you too. They might not have told you, you know, but they, you know, you had people that didn't like you. People hated you as much as you hated them. Right. Had to hate for each other. That's one of the amazing things that you see sometimes with, with people in, in different kind of programs. I remember years ago, Geraldo Rivera was uh, in one of these things, and he's out there fighting the Ku Klux Klan, and the Ku Klux Klan was hating these group of people. And then had another group of people come up with Geraldo, and they were saying why they was wrong. Well, there was wrong. There was wrong. But the group he brought up, what did they do? They hated them. So all he's doing hating on both sides, a bu- bunch of hate going on both sides. Uh, we love. Amen. We don't hate. Even though people do things that are wrong and ungodly and sinful, we still love. Amen. Amen. Amen? We do. We do. We have that spirit of love. Now, notice verse 3, among whom also we had our manner of life in times past, the lust of our flesh. The f- desires fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature, there it is, by nature the children of wrath, even as others. It's the nature that's got to get changed. Amen. You say, well, what about the law? Well, the Bible says the law was given for transgressors. Right. You know, you and I, as children of God, we don't necessarily need the law, Amen. but the transgressors do. In other words, why, why do we have, we don't have signs out here on the road that says the speed limit is 35 for everybody that always goes 35 and under. We have those signs out there for people that go over 35. And we have some follow-up that goes with that called patrolmans, highway patrolmans. And they have those little warnings they give us with that blue light. That comes on. And emphasizing that law. Well, why? But if you're going under 35, you, you don't have anything to be concerned about. You're not a lawbreaker. But notice by nature, they are children of wrath, even as other. This happens by nature. Listen to this. It's so powerful. The Living Bible, verse 2. Follow along in your scripture, if you will. Verse 2. You went along with the crowd, and you were just like all the others. Full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of air, who is the work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. Verse 3, all of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead unto us. We started out bad, being born with an evil nature and under God's anger just like everyone else. See, notice it brings it out there. It says in verse, verse 3 in the King James, under God's wrath, here the Living Bible says God's anger. We've got to understand this. God loves everybody, but he ain't happy with everybody. God loves everybody, and some of them people he ain't happy with, he's angry with. How many knows there is a wrath of God? There is. There is. The only way you escape it 
is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But everybody else is still under the wrath of God. And this thing is going to hit this world when the Lord Jesus comes back and takes his church out, raptures the church, and he, all hell breaks loose on this earth. This thing's going to hit. There's going to be wrath like this world's never seen before. Then there'll be people crying and screaming and all this kind of stuff they're wanting to do to get right with God and sorry and all this kind of stuff that they want to do. But you know what? Don't wait till it's too late. Receive Jesus now. Amen? All right. And this is what it's talking about. Sin has entered us. Now, so what does God do? He, he's got this being that he's created, this human being. <clears throat> he gave this human being a wonderful life. He is very valuable to him. He's worth a whole lot to God. And this human being has now sinned, and he maintains his sin, and now it is his nature for, to be a sinner. And as a sinner, he is following the devil headed toward hell. What do you do? What do you do? Some of the world would say, good enough for you. Good enough for you. Well, maybe. Some of the world would say, well, you deserve it. Yeah, probably so. You're not going to get an argument out of me. And I'm sure God understands all of those principles. But God has a different attitude about it. Look in Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. You see, here's the fact. God loved me, and he loved you so much. Even though we were against him, in rebellion against him, sinful, following the one who had rebelled in all of the universe, Satan himself, joining allegiance with the enemy, Satan, following with the devil, God still loved us and valued us so much, he just says, I just can't let you die. Amen. God. I can't let it in like this. But he remembers also that he said in the garden, if you do this, you'll surely die. And so he realizes man has been given that choice. And so now God's got to make his pitch and make his play for man. And it's going to be up to man whether man chooses it or not. It's going to be up to mankind what he says to God. How's God feel about it? Look at Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 30. Therefore, God says, I'll judge you. O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways. You won't stand there for somebody else. Somebody else won't stand there for you. It's you and your heart alone. Saith the Lord God, repent. Make a change. Repent and turn. That's the part of modern salvation seems to have left out. We repent and we turn. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions. Give it up. Somebody said, I'm going to have to give up my sinful ways. Every one of them. Every last one of them. No matter what the world has called it, every last transgression of God, you've got to repent of and turn away from it. Why? So that iniquity or that sin won't be your ruin. If you stay with it, it will be your ruin. Turn away from it so that it won't be your ruin. Stop the way you're going because the way you're going is a path of destruction. If you want, don't want to be destroyed, God doesn't want you to, and he's given you the way out, repent and turn from it. Amen. Go a different direction. It's not hard, is it? It's an easy thing to do. Look at verse 31. Cast away from all your transgressions. Cast away from you all your transgressions. In other words, anything around you, cast it away. 
I mean, you read the book of Acts, and you find out what they did. Some people started getting saved and coming to Jesus, and when they did, they went home, and they got those, all those astrology books, all those sorcery books, all those things they had where they'd been using to worship the devil, and took them in and burned them up, got rid of them. And it's amazing how some people, sometimes they don't believe in burning books, but they believe in burning the Bible. But you know what? If it's a wicked book like that, get it out of your life. Don't give it away. Burn the thing. Get rid of it. Amen? Use a little bit of reason and understanding with things like that. Notice what he said. Cast away from you all your transgression. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Jesus said, like, man, if your left hand's causing you a problem, get rid of it. It's better that you went through life without a left hand than it would be to go to hell with all of you. And some of us need to look at things like that. Some of us need to do some things in our life. I mean, you know what? The devil just nibbling away at people just different times in life. Got to be real careful, real careful what you do. You, you got a television home uh, feeding trash in your house? Get rid of that thing. Get rid of, Get rid of it. Take your foot and kick right I mean, Well, you know, do what you need to do. But get rid of that thing. Pull that shotgun out. Blow that thing up. Throw it out on the front porch. Get rid of it. Get rid of that thing if it's causing you a problem. If that internet's getting you on sites that you ain't got no business on God's green earth being at, get rid of it. Somebody say amen. Amen. It'd be better you did that than you go to hell with that internet all in your mind for all eternity. Amen. Amen. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You doing what you ought not do? Stop doing it. You better quit. I'm getting so tired of people saying, I can't, I can't, I can't quit. Yeah, you can. You started it, you can quit it. Amen. Amen. Ain't nobody else can. If you can't, you're in bad trouble because ain't nobody else can do it for you. It's you. You're the one who can quit. You're the one who can stop. And, and I get tired of people putting God's creation down, telling human beings you can't do something. I, I don't like that word can't. I don't like that word can't. We very ever, seldom ever use that word around our house. If it's slipped out a time or two over the years, maybe so, but boy, we don't do it. We don't do it. I told Sheila one time, she asked me about doing something, and I said, she said, don't say you can't do it. I said, well, I, I, I'm not going to say I can't do it, whatever, just a little something. I said, I just won't. I'm just, you know, I'm lazy, no good, all those kind of things. But I didn't say can't. <laughs> no, I'm just going on with her. Notice verse 31, cast away all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die? Why? Why do you want to die? Why do you want to do it? One reason America people want to do it is they ain't been told not to. My goodness, I, don't let me get started on something. Brother Copeland announced this week, I mean, oh, God, one of the major, I don't even want him to call a name, one of the major television stations in America moving him out and moving somebody else in in his spot. And you can see where America's headed, where they're going. America, you know, the, the church, we like a word that says, you know, everything's okay, everything's all right, God bless you, he's all for you. He's a sweet thing you, you know. We don't want to hear about, the Bible teaches us, that whosoever sows to the flesh, well, of the flesh, reap corruption. And whoever sows to the life of the life of the Spirit, reap life everlasting. We don't want to hear those great principles that, you know, Brother Copeland's taught over the years, a sower soweth the word. And it brings, I mean, you know what? I'll tell you what, it made me so mad when I heard that a couple of days ago. I mean, I didn't sin, though. What Bible says, what? Ephesians 5, 26, be ye therefore angry and sin not. Right? Be angry and sin not. What we did several weeks ago, and you might have to do this yourself, we, we got away from that cable that we had. 
Well, I, I don't know how they got in their mind. We're paying 150 something dollars a month for that thing. And I said, mm, mm, let's don't do that. And so we called them up and said, hey, we're gone, man. We're gone. Don't, don't, don't leave. Please don't leave. <laughs> oh, no, we're gone. I said, no, please release me. Set me free. But, you know, let me go and that kind of stuff. And so we finally got down, and I said, okay, what can we do? And I said, all these stations, I can get rid of all of them. And they put me down on the bargain basement 10 channels only Amen. for 40 bucks a month. See, I do that. And I'll pick out what I want. I'm tired you feed me what you want. Amen. And of those 10 channels, I picked them out of what I want to watch, what I want to see, what I put up there. And then we got this, this thing called Roku. Amen. And on Roku, I, I can go all over, and I can see major ministries all over America. Yeah. If you don't have it, get you a Roku or some other close brand like that, whatever it does. Get you one that you can watch these people because the world's going to cut them off. And you're going to have to make your own way to come in the back door because they're trying to close the front. Okay? Anyway, enough about that. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Why will you die? Get rid of it. Verse 32. Here's what God says. Here's, Here's his feeling about it. I have no pleasure. And the death of him that dies, saith the Lord God. Don't have any pleasure in the person that dies. And he's talking about spiritual death. How do I know? Look at it. It's easy. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. You see, if it's talking about physical death, he wouldn't say turn and live. Because you can roll over a corpse all you want to and it still don't live. He's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. And he said, why will you die spiritually? Why will you be separated from God? Why? Why don't you just turn so that you can live? Turn so that you can live. That's God's plan is for sinful man to turn. And the Bible tells it to us like this. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Not at all. And he, he said, why, 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 why will you do it? Don't do it. Why? Don't do it. No pleasure there. Turn, turn, stop what you're doing. Quit, change, let God do something you say yes to Jesus. He's saying all those things. And we know in Scripture, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, says, For the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Amen. God doesn't want anybody to perish. God doesn't want anybody going to hell. If any one of us go to hell, if anybody that's watching me over the internet go to hell, if anyone out there in that world that's, that we're going to see this week, if they go to hell, they will go to hell against God's will. Because the Bible clearly tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. The Bible goes on to say in, in 1 Timothy 2, 4, God is a God who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody saved. He wants everybody to enjoy this life that you and I now have. That is God's plan. That is what he wants to happen in people's lives. Turn with me to the golden text of the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. Let's read it. John chapter 3 and verse 16. John three sixteen shows something like that. For God so loved the world that he gave... God's plan is this. He's going to substitute somebody for us. I did the wrong. I did the sinning. I offended God. I suffered the wrath of God. But rather than me having to pay that sin death, the wages of sin is death, separation from God, God, not willing that any should perish, wanting me saved, God that took no pleasure in me being separated from him decided that he would pay my sin debt for me. He would pay the price for me. 
And, and in life, we recognize it. Remember I told you several weeks ago, we went to, the, I don't know what happened. We went to the clock several weeks ago, and uh, we went there, and somebody paid for our lunch and that kind of stuff. And I said, well, that's great. Man, we got to eat it, but didn't have to pay for it. I said, that's great. The next week, we went back to the same place. I mean, if you can get there once, go back again. All right? We went back to the second time, and somebody else paid for our lunch. I said, this is great, Sue. This is great. Two people, have, we have been here two weeks in a row, ain't nobody. We had to pay a dime for our lunch. Somebody paid. This is great. I went back the third week. AJ said, how'd you do the third week? I said, it cost me $130. <laughs> he said, what happened? I said, well, I saw this family, this family, this family, and I said, I'm going to pass it on. And before I got done, it was $130 eat that day. <laughs> it was. Well, I said, so now they're happy. Somebody else paid their bill. But I tell you what, I don't know about food and stuff like that, but the thing I'm happy about, I'm happy Jesus paid my sin debt because I live with him. I live with the Lord Jesus Christ. I walk with him, talk with him. He's in my heart. He's in my life. And he helps me. And, and we face this world differently. I understand when this world looks at this virus stuff and they're so scared. You know what? They don't want to die. They're scared to death. They are. They don't want to die. I understand if I was in a lot of their shoes, I'd be scared to death too. Probably more than that, knowing what I know. But you know, I'm not in their shoes. I'm walking in the path that the Lord Jesus Christ has laid out for me. And I know in his path there is life. There is abundant life. There is health. There is strength. There's deliverance. There's freedom. There's joy in the life of God. That's what we got. How we got it? Because it's on the inside. Why well, I have it there? Because I don't have to pay my sin debt. I don't have one ounce of fear of standing in judgment for God. I don't. I mean, I could stand before judgment before God, and, you know, Peter could say, all right, boy, let's, let's look at all the books here. And he started, mm-hmm, I see there, Leon, here you are at 10 years of age, here you are at 12, here you are at 18, here you are at 19, or, oh, boy, 19 is rough, oh, here you are at 20, and all this, and he tell me all this kind of stuff, and, and he's going to look at me and tell me everything I did wrong, and if that were the case, and he's going to say, Leon, what you got to say for yourself? I'm going to say, Peter, I, I, you know, I can't deny anything you've got there. I mean, it's all the counts there. The only thing i got to say to myself is one word. Jesus. Peter's going to say, come on in, boy. You got the magic word. That's it. That's it. Come on in. Come on in. That's what's going to get me in. Jesus is going to get me in. I'm depending on it. I'm believing on it. My life is built on it. Jesus is going to get me in. Somebody say, Jesus, you're going to get me in. That's what it is. Why? Because Peter says, okay, everything, Leon, that you were supposed to pay for, the sins that you did, the wages of sin is death, Jesus died for you. He died for you. He took your place. He took my place. He took my place. It ain't like the bill didn't get paid. It got paid. Somebody else just paid it. His name was Jesus, and he took my place. Oh, man, my place is paid for. I'm in this line. How about you? Oh, got my ticket. Look what, he, look what it says here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, that's how valuable you were. That whosoever believeth in him, that's me. Somebody say, that's me. Whosoever believes in him should not perish. Remember, God said, I didn't want you to perish. Here's how you don't. Whoever believes in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I got it. Somebody say, I got it. I got it. I got it because I did it. I did it because he did it. What Jesus did gave it to me. Yes. Now then, story's not quite over. Look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. 
Jesus didn't come into this world to cast everybody into hell at that time. He didn't come into this world to tell everybody how rotten and no good they were at that time. Although there were a few rotten and no good people there in time. Okay? But that wasn't his mission. I mean, he, he did mention, tell Herod that fox. It ain't right for him to have his brother's wife. Well, that went over big, didn't it? Can you imagine that? People say, you shouldn't be political. Do what? Do what? Don't you think all the Herodians left right quick and got mad at that time? I don't know. They shouldn't have, but hey, not only them, everybody left him at one time. But here he says this, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. That's not his mission. That's what his purpose. Not why he came here. Why? Why wasn't it? But that the world through him might be saved. He come to bring salvation, not condemnation. But why? There's still more to the story. Because verse 18, because that he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Jesus said, I didn't have to come in here to condemn you. You guys were already condemned. You guys were already on your way to hell before I got here. That's what he's saying. You guys were already facing the judgment under a righteous God before I ever got here. So I didn't come to tell you and condemn you any more than you are because you already are. I came to save you. And the way the salvation takes place is this. Like it says, verse 16, we believe on him. We believe on Jesus. I'm believing on Jesus. And you know what? The amazing thing about this, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, for God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners. He did this at the time that you were your most rebellious. He did this at the time that you were most hateful and mean and the biggest sinners you were. Imagine that. What do we say in our life? Little children say, you be good to me, I'll be good to you. Right? We say stuff like that. You be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. But it's a little bit more hard when somebody ain't nice to you. Remember? When somebody hadn't been that good to you. It's a little bit hard. But not with Jesus. Not with God. He looks at you. He says, I knew you were a bunch of snakes. I knew you were a bunch of sinful people in rebellion. I knew you had went to the other side. I knew that you were following Satan that is against my father and all of our kingdom. I know you were working for the enemy. I recognize that. And I know that you were following him straight into the eternity of hell. I understand that Jesus did. But I didn't come to condemn you any more than you already are. I came to save you. And the salvation happens by believing on him. That's the doorway. That's the key. That's what opened it. When you believe on him, all those rules and regulations, they're going to fall in line. Everybody's going to be okay. It'll be all right. I'm not just saying, I'll just believe and walk away a sinner and keep on saying, no, no, that's not it. But when you believe, that gives you the power to be born again on the inside with a brand new nature. And you find out, hey, that ain't me anymore. Amen. When I was born again, the biggest surprise I had was this. Everything I wanted to do in life and I had planned for me to do, I thought I was going to have to give up. And I had made the decision, I am, I'm giving it all up, giving it all up. I said, I'm going to be the most miserable, disgusted person for the rest of my life as a Christian. That's what I thought before I got saved. That's what I thought. I said, but at least I won't go to hell. I might be miserable every day on planet Earth until the time I go to heaven. But that's what I thought. Crazy, but that's what I thought. The biggest surprise of my life was that when I got saved, it wasn't that I had to make rules up here in my head and this stuff of do this and do that and do that. No, my nature changed on the inside of me. And that old junk I didn't want to do anymore. Those old ambitions were gone. I didn't have one second to fight them away. They were gone. It was a clean break from everything in my past. Old things had passed away and all things had become new. It started with this believing. It's that believing. 
That's what it is. And that's what we have to do with people in our world. Say to them, have you believed? Have you believed? It's just that simple. Have you believed? Have you believed in what? My church? No, not necessarily my church. Or anybody else's church. Not putting anybody's church down or lifting my church up. Not that. It's have you believed on Jesus? Amen. You believe on Jesus, then we'll get you in that church, all right? Amen. But it ain't got to do with the church. It's got to do with Jesus. Amen. Have you believed on him? I thank God I have, don't you? Amen. I thank God that you have. And there's a lot of other people I want to take with us. I don't want anybody to be lost. Don't anybody leave this world without Jesus. Don't want anybody going in all eternity and facing a devil's hell. And I certainly don't want them doing that without you or me standing up in the way and try to be an obstacle in their course. You and I need to be an obstacle to the course of this world. We are the resistance. Resistance in French. We are the resistance. We are resisting the things of this world. And the Bible tells us that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. I got a feeling that we're going to win this thing. How about you? I know we are. We're going to win this thing. We're going to overcome. Stand with me this morning as we go before the Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, in the name of Jesus. In the wonderful name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Father God, we give you praise. We give you glory. And we honor you. I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to share the gospel in this house today. And Lord, online. And God, just reach out and tell people how much you love them. How much you care, Father. I pray, Lord God, that you cause each one of us, Lord, not just to be a sermonizer. Even me, not just a sermonizer on Sunday morning, Lord God, but a Christian throughout this week that shares our testimony. Oh, Lord God. Stretch your hands toward heaven and pray this prayer with me. Pray online. Pray with me. Say, say, Father God, I come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, for saving me. Thank you for this wonderful life that I now enjoy. I ask you, Lord. Strengthen me. Give me the boldness, the courage, and the faith to share this life with everybody I meet. May the love of God prevail in my life. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise and glory. And I shout hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed is the Lord. God is good.